Let's uh, turn in our passage here to Mark chapter 16. And um, Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would be using your word once again to speak to our hearts, to um, opening our eyes, to transforming us uh, into the the followers of Christ that you have created us to be. That we would be able to go from this place with confidence in your Spirit's empowering and equipping in your Son's presence with us, leading and guiding us, and using us for your glory and building your kingdom. So it's with anticipation that we come to your word here this morning um, to hear from you. We thank you. Amen. Mark chapter 16, verse 9. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they had mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and he had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After these things, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. And, when, and they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Afterward, he, Jesus, appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and the hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. So he said to them, Go into the, all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after He had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. And with that, we're done. Whew. It's been a long time that we've been in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, it was actually, I think, what, March 27, 2022 that we started all of this. So it's been almost 60, 60 Sundays that we have been going through this passage. And, 
And um, I, think, I think maybe that's maybe the very same thing that Jesus said as he ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father and he just went, whew, <laughs> we're done. It's over. All of those things that had been planned and purposed from before the world began. It's done. It's finished. I can relate to that. I remember when Denise and I had had finally finished all of the, the, the building parts of our house. Uh, we had done all of the painting inside. We got the flooring done. We got the cabinets all in. We uh, uh, did all of the fixtures, got the lights and the plumbing and all those kinds of things in place, got the appliances in place, moved all of our stuff in, and I remember that first night lying in bed and just, whew, it's done. All of that planning, all of the, the, the years that we had put into uh, dreaming about this home, all of the work that we put in in creating the home, it was done. Now, like you, if anybody else owns a home, you know it's never actually done. <laughs> right? Uh, there's, there were other things that still needed to be fixed and we're still working on things. But, but all of the heavy lifting had been taken care of. There were no long nights trying to rush to get things in place. There were no more living in, in, in camper. Are you guys still living in a camper? No. Are you guys in your place? Woo! <laughs> it is finished. Sort of. <laughs> but but just that that feeling of oh it's done that is is a wonderful thing and i don't know if that's when it says that jesus sat down at the right hand of god if that right hand if they did a high five or a fist bump or their fancy little handshake whatever they do it was over and all of the, the things that, that, that they had been planning and putting into place were now done. The rest was just the finishing touches. Jesus talks here about how He is going to continue to work um, through his disciples as they proclaim the good news. And, and that is, is, is something that, that we are encouraged to be a part of. But before we move on to that phase of, of the, the proclamation, of the, the refining of our hearts, the sanctification of, of all of those kinds of things, we need to first of all recognize the importance of it's done. It's finished. Salvation is complete. Hebrews talks about this in Hebrews chapter 10. Um, the author there describes for us 
the contrast between what had been happening in the, the sacrificial system in the, uh, in the Hebrews' religion um, as opposed to what Jesus had completed. Hebrews chapter 10 and uh, uh, verse, verse 11. It says that every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. It was done. There was no more to be done. There was no more to be completed. The work of salvation had been done for all of humanity, for all of time, in that one act, in His sacrifice, in His death and burial, and in His resurrection from the grave. That was done. And then the Hebrews author also then invites us into that rest. And here's the the significant difference between all other worldviews and religious uh, 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 practices that are out there and what Christianity tells us. What the Bible tells us about what Jesus has done is that that for all other worldviews, they continue to, to go through the process of trying to complete that work. Whether it is uh, those religions that, that would seek to find some kind of higher enlightenment, some altered mind state that, that would help them understand that they are one with all of the universe and are just to be absorbed into that oneness. Or for those that have all of the rituals that they need to go through on a regular basis in order to continue to appease their deities. Or for those that follow rules and regulations that, that need to make sure that they, that they live up to a certain standard if they are going to continue in, in a relationship with God. All of those continue to demand work from their followers. What Christ did for us was to sacrifice Himself so that we can then enter into that rest. We can join Him. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 10. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works just as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by that same sort of disobedience. It is so easy for us to get caught up in thinking that there is something that we need to do to to earn or to preserve 
or, or to, uh, to qualify for that salvation that Christ offers us as a free gift once and for all. That is a wrong understanding of what Christ has done for us. He invites us into rest. Into that, it's done. The, the heavy lifting has been completed. And all that we are involved in now is just the gravy, the finishing, the refining. Jesus says that He is going to continue to, uh, um, to empower His followers with, with signs that will, that will authenticate their message before the people that they are going to be sharing this good news with. He talks about how... Uh, those who believe in my name, Mark chapter 16, verse 17, in my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And they will lay on their hands on the sick and they will, will recover. These are all things that will authenticate the fact that, that, that Christ's message his completed work has indeed been done in their lives and jesus is saying that that that, that that this will help the rest of the world see that your message is true some of those are familiar ones that we have seen in scripture in the continuation of Acts and in, in, in the, the description of the establishment of the church, uh, we see these uh, accounts of, of demons being cast out, of, of people being healed, hands being laid on, and people being restored um, to, to health. Uh, others that, that are speaking in tongues, both, both in, in tongues in, in worship, but also tongues in being able to communicate the gospel in other languages with with people who, who, who wouldn't be able to understand otherwise, but they hear the message in their own tongue and, and discover it for themselves. E- even, even the one about picking up serpents with your hands, we see that being lived out by Paul. Uh, there on the, all of the island of Malta as he is shipwrecked and, and uh, grabs some wood for the fire and, and is bit by a, a deadly poisonous snake. And everybody thought that he was going to perish, but he remains untouched. That one, though, is a little bit more odd. And there are some people that take these passages and they've created some, some of their own ideas of how church worship should be. And they're a little bit more difficult for us to um, to wrestle with, and 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 I'm not sure that I found a really good understanding of the 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 sign of picking up serpents with with your hands and and uh, uh, drinking poison. I, there's something that the author of this section was aware of that that it figured his audience would also be aware of that that somehow has been lost for us. Um, 
the, the piece that I understand from all of that that I, I think we have certainly seen throughout the history of the church is that there is a divine protection that is often on um, the, those that are proclaiming the good news, especially those that are in, in uh, uh, foreign settings, in, in places that are hostile towards them, where they have been supernaturally protected from uh, both natural um, phenomena, natural dangers that are there that, that represented by, by snakes, being able to pick up snakes with their hands, that, that they've been in situations where other people are unsafe and they have been spared. <coughs> um, as well as those that, that have been uh, um, uh, put at risk at the hands of others, represented by drinking deadly poison, that, that there have been those that have sought to, to silence, not just uh, natural dangers, but, but uh, human uh, uh, opposition to, to the message of Christ. They have been uh, protected from those attacks that have come on them. We've, you've heard, I'm sure, stories of missionaries who, who have been in their homes and, and the, the uh, the uh, folks that, have, that live around them, that have come against them, want to oppose them and come at them at night and they're held back by these shining beings that are surrounding their home and keeping them protected. Angelic beings that, that have guarded these that, that are proclaiming the good news. Uh, those have been powerful testimonies for, for people in those places to, to hear about God's supernatural protection on on these missionaries and has led many people to come to Christ because of those kinds of protections. And I think that's, that's probably our best understanding of what uh, the author is speaking about here in this particular passage. But even with all of that, we have to recognize that, that this is not the result of those who believe of their ability to be able to pull these things off. That it's not that, that people have to go out and be trained on how to speak in tongues, to cast out demons, to lay their hands and, and, and heal the sick. Because it's not the individuals that are accomplishing those miraculous signs. It is Christ working on their behalf. Authoritatively establishing the authenticity of His message, of His gospel being proclaimed. These signs are experienced through faith. That we trust that Christ is at work on our behalf. And so when He calls us to follow Him, we obey and walk in His path, in His ways, uh, trusting in His power to authenticate the message that we are proclaiming. Whether it is through these signs or other means, 
to be able to take that message of hope, that message of forgiveness and salvation, and introduce it to someone in a way that, that, that they receive. And allow Christ to come and transform their heart. We've, we've talked a number of times through the Gospel of Mark about this idea of faith. And I want to remind you again that sometimes the way that we discuss faith, I think it, it, it distracts or, or, or confuses us to, to think that somehow faith is this thing that is outside of us that we need to hold on to or we need to grasp or we need to, to accomplish in some way. Faith is belief Belief in, in, in the, the, the divine provision of God, in His redemption, in His restoration. But it is a belief in action. If it's just the belief and saying, yeah, I believe that that's true, it's not faith. It's only until you actually embrace that, that you actually take the step to follow, that faith actually becomes faith. These things that Jesus is describing, that will, these signs that will accompany those who believe, uh, are received, are, are lived out, experienced through faith putting ourselves in a place where we are at risk of being made a fool of, of things not working out the way that we thought that they should, being uh, mocked or maligned or being put at, at danger, being put at risk, whether it's from physical causes or, or man-made oppression or, or, or abuse coming at us. Putting all of that stuff aside and saying, Lord, it doesn't matter what the cost, I am taking this step. And I'm walking in faith. And in that, being caught by God and empowered by His provision and His divine direction. It is by faith that we live out our lives on a day-by-day basis, knowing that Christ is there, that His work is completed, that we no longer have to be be defined by by our past, that we no longer have to to carry the weight of the, the guilt and shame of the things that we once were, but to recognize that in Christ we are new. And so we're free. And we can walk in that freedom of His forgiveness and His provision in our lives. It is done. I think there's one other 
important part for us to understand about this picture of Christ sitting down at the right hand of the Father. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to start reading to verse 4. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons of through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of, the w- of His will. I'm sorry. Good words. But that's chapter 1. <laughs> Let me start reading chapter 2 and verse 4. <laughs> Equally good words. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. It is by grace that you have been saved. And then He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Just as Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father, we are now sitting in the heavenly places at rest. It's done. For those who have received and by faith received Christ, they are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That should radically transform the way you live your life. In that is freedom. In that is victory. Every moment that we walk is just a living out of that reality that we are seated in the heavenly places with Christ. It is finished. It is done. Satan is so good at trying to convince us otherwise, isn't he? He keeps on telling us about those things that we've done in the past. And trying to convince us that that disqualifies us from living 
in freedom. He tries to to talk about those things that we used to be and to captivate us in, in, in slavery to that sin and that guilt and that shame. But in Christ, it is done. And we are, we are free, and, and, and by faith, we now live our lives in that freedom. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, what a wonderful picture of you sitting at the right hand of your Father. And what an unimaginable privilege for us to be seated there with You in the heavenly places. We thank You for the victory that You have won in our lives over sin. Thank You for that free gift that You offer to each and every one of us today. Lord, I thank You for those that are here that that even now have yet, yet to receive that free gift from Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that You would Allow them to, to, know, to know that freedom for themselves. That they don't no longer have to be striving to be good enough. That they no longer have to try and, and uh, live up to a, a set of standards that, that are impossible for any of us to live up to. But instead that they can find rest in your forgiveness, in your grace, in your sacrifice of your Son for us. So Lord, I pray for those here this morning that they would embrace for themselves that gift of grace. That they would be set free and that they too can then sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then for all of us, as we go from this place, Would we be able to walk in the confidence of your authentication of the gospel in us? Whether it is through uh, the signs that we read here in Mark or in other ways that you would establish uh, that authenticity of the message of of your transformation in our heart, that that just a, a life that is lived in freedom would point people to you. Lord, as we as a a church family come to this time, this Christmas season, where we have an opportunity to tell the story of Christ to our community, to our neighbors, to our friends and family, would you give us that confidence of that victory that you have won in our lives? And would we see lives set free from sin and condemnation? Thank you 
for what you have purchased for us and what you invite us to join in. Would we walk in faith, believing and trusting and moving forward in your power and your provision in our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.